Hello, how you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Now, I know what you're going to say. Craig, why on earth did you promise us two podcast episodes this week where, as far as I can see, you only seem to be delivering one with James Harkness coming up today? It's a banger. Be careful, there's trigger warnings. I'll tell you more in a second. Well, there were... I was all set to record with the great Simon McBurney. And, and here's another thing, Craig. You told us to go onto the YouTube channel, the Barbican YouTube channel, watch the encounter that's only available until the 21st, and we're going to talk about it with Simon. So where's the episode? Well, lovely people, the intentions were there. That's a car going past, hello. But there were extenuating circumstances, I'm afraid, and we just couldn't get it together. That's the bad news. The good news is we are going to get it together and have a brilliant conversation. I really can't wait. I know uh, Simon is currently making jam at home, so uh, maybe he can uh, bring me some socially distanced marmalade, which would be fantastic. He's a very good jam maker. Um, So we're all going to get to that. But, as I say, the encounter, Simon's play for Complicite, is only available, if you listen to this on Thursday, it's only available for one more day. So please get on it and watch it. It's it's a game changer. It really is. I can't stress that enough. So that's, uh, that's the bad news. I've got a bit more bad news, I'm afraid, as well. But there is light at the end of the tunnel, I promise you. So um, we're going to have to take a little short break. Uh, I... I don't want it to be long because you know how much we enjoy making these episodes and bringing them to you. And it's very therapeutic. Um, So I am going to be carrying on, but I may need to take a week, possibly two weeks off because of many, many things. But I need to put all my time and energy and focus into something next week because It's my little boy's birthday, and he is nine, and uh, I just want to make it quite a special day for him. So, um, and he's, you know, he's here, and I don't have real time to record lots of episodes, if I'm honest. So, let me just um, get all my ducks in a row, and then we will get back firing on all cylinders, I promise you. We're never away for that long, are we, when we have a little break? And sometimes it's good to step back. Now, speaking of good things for people, I'm sure you're all aware that this week is Mental Health Awareness Week. And you know it's a topic that comes up time and time again on on loads of episodes, but if you haven't heard Joe Trasini's episode or both uh, part one and part two of Joe Gilgan's episode, they're both very heavily, can't we speak... They're both heavily themed uh, about uh, mental health and mental health awareness. So if you haven't listened, go and dive in to those. And, and indeed, just um, you know, go back through uh, all the back catalogue. Uh, 
there's quite a bulk there now. And uh, I know a few people, a few handful of people have put their hands up and said, I'm up to date, I've listened to them all. That is very good going. Um, but if you are just joining us today for the brilliant James Harkness episode, maybe you want to go back, maybe you want to go listen to episode 100 with his co-star from BBC One's The Nest. That's Martin Comston. And that is an absolute banger of an episode, as is this. But what I need to tell you before you uh, dive in to this conversation, there is there is a lot of uh, bad language. I mean, I'm sure you're all right with that. But there's also stories of um, violence. So if you're on the slightly squeamish side maybe, you know, give this one a miss for now. But, yeah, I just want to warn you, this episode is not for the faint-hearted, I promise you. Um, but James is fantastic company. I know that because as we uh, speak about at the beginning, myself and James spent a fair few months together last summer in the North filming The English Game for Netflix. And he's not only a joy to work with, but an absolute pleasure to have on the podcast. And I've been wanting to come on for ages. And uh, I finally persuaded him, and I'm thrilled that he did. So let us dive into this. This is the Two Shot Podcast with James Harness. Enjoy, and I'll just see you at the end. More birds. Harkness, how are you, man? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. I'm so chuffed to be honest. Thank you so much for asking me. Big fan. Yeah. Oh, look, absolute pleasure. You know, we've been discussing this for about six months. Yeah. I've been trying to persuade you to come on. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, I'm so pleased you've succumbed. Oh. Um, now, obviously, the times that we're in, I usually sit down, say hello to people, look them in the eye, ask yeah. them if they want a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or, you know, sometimes a cake, as in uh, Jodie Whittaker had a lovely scone with jam and cream but we can't do that we can't do that James mm. Harkness so what I've done to ease us in is I've started a little lightning round so I'm gonna uh, just ask you some straightforward questions and you give me your first answer are you ready yeah done go starter or dessert dessert vinyl or download vinyl straight away yes or no Yes. Saturday night or Sunday morning? Sunday morning, no. Used to be Saturday night. <laughs> Does that have anything to do with children, James? Yeah, everything to do with clock. Everything. I'm in bed <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night. I've, I've not seen 2 o'clock in the morning in years. I'm sure we'll get on to that later. Town <laughs> or country? Uh, town. Train or plane? Train, I think, yeah. I've always went to the day that, um, the, the, the big one through Moscow, where you're on it for, like, days. I, I love Chekhov growing up, man, and just some of the conversations. They would talk about, like, being on the trains for days, man. I don't know, but, yeah, or the Orient Express, all that stuff. And the wee man loves Polar Express so much. The only way to travel. Lennon or McCartney? Lennon. Beatles or Stones? <laughs> Stones. Be very careful on this next question, James. Yeah. North, North or South? North. Has to be, always. It's where my heart is. Home or away? Home. Answer the phone or leave to voicemail? Answer the phone. 
long bath or a quick shower? Quick shower. Tea or coffee? Tea. Passenger or driver? Mm, I just learned to drive, man. I don't, well, so passenger, the new, because I still like, but yeah, I, I love to drive. I'd love to drive more. So I don't know, driver, driver, driver. I thought driver and I changed my answer. Driver. Winter or summer? Winter. Love it. Weekday or weekend? Week end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? Christmas Day. To give or to receive? To give. To watch or to play football, James Harden? <laughs> oh, neither. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure we'll get on to later on. Yeah, neither. Um, <laughs> Getting a bit. Or, li- <laughs> listeners... All will be revealed if you have seen uh, season one of The English Game currently on Netflix, um, <laughs> which James stars in. You may understand why, but I'm sure we'll dig deeper. Yeah, James, for those that don't know, yeah, explain to me about the Gorbals. I mean, it's a beautiful place. Like, I don't. I, I feel everybody grows up. Especially like when you see novels, like it, I, I don't know, it's hard to divide. I'm sure everybody grows up with their own experiences and evaluates them on their same level. And I would never want to take that away from anybody or say that I've had it harder than anybody. But it was interesting, man. It was colourful. Like, like I, I fall in love with things like Brassic right now and, and Shameless and all that, man, because it was sort of the environment I grew up in. It was just the, there was no money, and and we weren't getting any money soon, so people just made do and. There were some amazing times, but also some really hard times that go away as well, and some mad struggles. But people are bold. For those, just sort of geographically, can we just sort of pinpoint exactly where that is? So you go to Glasgow, Glasgow city centre, and it's just outside of it. It's literally you walk, you you you, you could walk out of the town and be in the gobbles by accident. Right. Yeah. It's sort of near the, the Citizens Theatre. The Citizens Theatre is sort of like the gate to it from um, the city centre. It's the most common gate okay. to it, like in the Sheriff Court. <laughs> and should we talk about growing up, James? Yeah. So what were your parents doing for a living at the time when you were growing up? So, was, I mean, my mum's done the odd bit of cleaning, owning half the books as far as I know. I'm not joking. Uh, the cops are listening. <laughs> um, but, um, no, my dad was never a bookman. I, I think I met him a couple of times when I was younger and... Th- from what I remember, the, the one of the best memorable experiences. But so he was never about. He was he was a mad boozer. But um, my mom, she done her best. You know what I mean? She had nothing. And uh, yeah, so I was with her mostly, man. She um, she's had her um, stuff to to go through and experience and and to deal with. And I think I don't know. She was a young mum. I think having a, a kid young, her and my dad were a bit toxic, a bit, a bit sad and Nancy, from what I've learned. <laughs> So right. probably good that they're not uh, together anyway. How how old was she when she she started having children? Because it, it's not just you. I is think it, it's nineteen. I wrote I've wrote I've, I've wrote something about it. Like and hopefully I'll make it one day. But I think she's nineteen and he's twenty one, as far as I can remember. Yeah, but um, they 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 ran away to Blackpool when they were younger. <laughs> ran away to Blackpool together and lived above a sex shop. Oh, it's mental, man. And then um, came back. My granny went to Blackpool. My mum was selling burgers and turned around. My granny was one of the customers. 
She's like, what can I get you? My granny's like, what can you fucking get me? <laughs> so they, um, uh, they, I think she, she ends up back in Glasgow at some point away from my dad and then she's a single mom for the majority. Well, yeah, until a couple of boyfriends stepping in it. And then my brother's born about 10 years later. Ah, you're, it's your brother. I thought it was a sister, but it's a brother. No, yeah, it? my brother Thomas. And what, that, what's the difference between you two, age-wise? About, about 10 years. I've known me good bit ages. I forget what age I'm or I have to ask my wife, man. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think it's about 10 years. It, it, it was a sizable gap. I started falling out of love with all that, uh, all, the, all the wee kid stuff when he was wanting to really play it, do you know what I mean? So we, we, we sort of grew up a few steps ahead of each other. Right, OK. But, yeah, yeah. And, I've, yeah, it was, it was mad, man. It was mad living up the flats and, and the gorbos, man, with no money, like... But, yeah, had some... Brilliant times, man. She she busted her nut for Christmas every time, but like like what you got a day. Do you know what I mean? Try, always tried to help me do the acting and all that, but it was it is what it is, and we don't necessarily get on right now. But was it uh, a, a time when you had nothing to compare it to? So therefore, you didn't you sort of didn't know any better, and this was yeah, just no, life. I, I, it, was, it was what it was, and I think a lot you had nothing to do really, so you could either hang about the streets, but. Like, I, w- I was a bit of a loner when I, like, I had a mad imagination. Like, my mum my couldn't ground me because if she grounded me, I would just come up with all these mad things in my room. So I'd have too much fun on mine, so she'd have to, like, sit me down and, like, make me watch Boring's TV or something, do you know what I mean? Like, have to find weird ways of trying to discipline me because I was just so imaginative on mine. Like, I used to love, like, drawing comics and all that, and I'd always sort of, like, like we, we, me and my cousin used to do The Wizard of Oz all the time and stuff like that and just, like, recreate stuff, so I guess it was... Always copying and imitating was always a thing. I just like creating stuff when I was a wee guy. It was just like my release away from no being outside and being absolutely bored at my nut. There was one tape, like one of my like proper introductions into like the world and being like, I know I want to be in this one was when DVDs came out. Remember, and they used to sell the DVD player with like a hundred DVDs. There'd be all these like B8 yeah. movies and all that. I didn't get that. I got there was a guy in the corridor, James Peden, who got the DVD player but then sent me. Um, Two boxes of VHS tapes with just all his movies that he collected through the years. I was watching these like Duck Soup and The Godfather and didn't even know what was going on, but because I was still really young, but I don't know, maybe it's, it's obviously helped, I think, or made me fall in love with it. What age were you watching those movies? I think I was eight or nine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the age my son is now. I can't really imagine me and him sitting down and going, right, we're going to watch The Godfather. I don't know. On I, just, I was always in my room, do you know what I mean? Just playing, kicking about my age. So I would just sit for days just watching stuff. I remember trying to get through The Godfather 3 at a really young age and just kept falling asleep with day my nothing because I'd be like, oh, I need to go back and start what happened. And I'd always like get to some bit when they're like in old Italy and then just fall, fall asleep and wake up and be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> James, have you always had. A lot of energy because of of yeah. all the, the the people I know, and obviously we're friends and we've worked together. I never once saw you really dip in energy. You've you've always got quite a a, a zest for yeah. life. Mental hyperactive. No, I wasn't allowed to eat blue Smarties when I was younger because of the e numbers. Apparently, like all chocolate because I used to be so hyperactive. And I used to I got caught one time when I, I think it was one of the times I came back from visiting my dad, and then. Um, she was like, have you had chocolate? And I was like, no, I didn't eat it. I just licked the chocolate off. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like, yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't like, even when I'm in the house, I don't, like, I've got, I bought a couch and I, I, don't, I don't sit on it. But I just, I, I just walk about all the time. I'm always doing something. I can't, sit, I can't rest. I can't sit at peace. Do you think, as, as the years went by, you were able to sort of channel that energy instead of it being 
you know, quite quite, quite loose and sporadic. Yeah, I think um, I sort of left my mom and my family at about 14, 15. They were only 10 minutes down the road, but we were all arguing and fighting all the time, and so I just, I'd done it off, and I moved in with my best pal, who's he's pretty, they're my brother, they're my family now, and I was sort of under the wing right. of this guy, Arthur, man, um, He's like a dad, an uncle. He's everything. He was everything. He was the. He, I read a book interesting, interestingly when I was having my son, and it said like from the ages zero to six, you want your mum. Um, six to twelve or something, you want your dad, and then from twelve onwards, you want another male influence. But my science and that is all messed up. But I think from that, I think from about like fifteen, I obviously was looking for other male influences, and I found that in Arthur, and he really. Like I did everything apart from electrics, and he'd get you up at six in the morning. You were looking for a job because I wasn't at school, man. I left when I was 16, I think, so, yeah, he had me up at nine every morning, working on a beauty, grafting with him, working in the garages. I've done all sorts with that guy. He's taught me so much, man, so I think he must have known how to just channel it and, like, yeah. like put it into something. Like, I get mad anxiety now, man, and I think it's because I'm not doing enough. When I'm working, it dips, and I can sort of channel it, like, but when I'm on my own and I've got too much free time on my own, I just, like... I get in my doomsday effect, man. I think if I've, if I'm not get anything to think about or channel myself into, I, I used to write a lot and I stopped, but I've just started again recently, so I think that's helping. And the wee man is a good distraction as well to keep my energy up. And he's well, exactly. He's just like me, and it's driving me up the wall, man. <laughs> he's, he won't stop, man. <laughs> well, especially during these times. You yeah, know, no, I know. And you know, all children, you know, they thrive from company and. I mean, we're all social animals anyway, but kids, you know. I remember when my son was itching to start school because he just wanted to be around other kids and play and learn off them. And, yeah. you know, that's where they thrive. Definitely. But, yeah, that's I've always channeled my energy, I think, <laughs> in some way. Well, let's let's jump back a bit yeah. in time, James, um, to school. Because, you know, as we've established, there's, you know, a lot of energy flowing through Young James now, mm-hmm. how was that controlled or, or, or not, as the case may be, at school? I think it was a pain in the arse, to be honest. Like, I think I probably drove the teachers insane, man. But the primary school was a much better experience. I have a lot of better memories from primary school. And then the end of secondary, but um, primary school, yeah. I, I mean, I, tell, I don't know, should I tell her? Like, yeah. Like, I think I gave one of my teachers a nervous breakdown, but I didn't even know I'd done it until I was an older boy, and I feel bad about it now. But like it's just because I've been sharp and I kept talking on it, and I just remember one point she, I had she had me in the corner of the room and she was just screaming in my face, and I, I just remember being like, "Why is your face so red, Miss?" And it must have seemed like a cocky wee comment, but I, I was genuinely like, "You look like your face has got blow up." This is a wee tiny boy, and yeah. she left the school and then came back at the final year, and then they put me back in her class. No, and she told me she went, "I left because of you. You gave me a nervous breakdown," and I was like. Why am I in your class then? Like, I'm sorry, I didn't really. And it was a big thing for a, a boy in primary seven that, like, I don't know what age are you then, man? Like, 12 or something, maybe? And she's like, You've gave me a nervous breakdown, I had to leave for years. And the funding must have been shot to shit if I was back in her class in primary seven. So, we, did you, did you realise that, uh, that you couldn't be controlled at that time? I just feel like, I just, it like, sounds like it. I don't know, maybe. It, I don't know, like, I don't know, people could, psychologists can put their science to it, maybe it was no strong influence. I don't know, because my granddad was a bit, he was a strong influence and a really brilliant influence as well, he was like a good male model of how to be. I knew manners, I knew how to be polite, I knew, I think I was just a wee chance, I think I just, if i seen an opportunity to talk or do something or keep myself active or, I don't know, just do something, I was, I, I couldn't help but do it, I couldn't help but say it, I have a problem with that still today. <laughs> 
Matt Leslie used to say, think before you speak, and I just it just comes out, man. So I think I just, I couldn't, I couldn't say it a piece. I just, I wanted to be, I read a book years ago called Improv by Keith Johnson, and he says that um, a lot of these kids that I've related to that are like that, you just can't control the in school. That it's, I'm not blaming the teachers, because the teachers are grafters and they're proper superheroes, but it's hard for their environment to teach all the kids at the one time, and you just have to, I'm not saying these kids should even deserve to be isolated and taught a different way, but maybe there's a different approach because it's the kid that you, it's the kid's got a different energy and you just need to harness that rather than say, be like everybody else, like toe the line, like sit down and shut up. I don't think that's the best approach to schooling. I don't think, I don't know, I'm not in schools right now, I don't know if it's still like that, but that's the way it felt back then. Sit down, shut up and write it down. Copy the board. Yeah, and you know, as we know, all it takes is one teacher to to just to sort of to check to change everything. Yeah, yeah. I've got I, I've got I've, I remember all the good teachers in my life because I looked up to them, the good ones, because I knew that they, we were learning from them. Or you could I, I always hung about with older people as well when I was younger. Like so I didn't I was always with an older generation, so I sort of knew that I was like learning stuff. Like I knew that I, I could don't get I don't know, man. I, again, I was a loner, so I, I was working everything out of my own. So I guess I was just I thought I was getting some pills of wisdom for these older people. I used to sit in a lot of pubs with old guys and just sit and listen. Why, 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 why the loner, James? Because I got bullied a lot when I was younger. It certainly doesn't come that. To, it, doesn't, it certainly doesn't. You know, from my point of view, it doesn't yeah. seem like that. I was very the way you are now because you seem quite uh, a social animal. Yeah, I was very different when I was younger, man. I was bullied. I was a wee shell, man. I was hidden inside myself. Yeah, I got bullied a lot, man, by this boy. We tore like I always said if my life went to shit I'd come back and shoot me in the head. <laughs> I don't care how that sounds, man. But he 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 tortured me, that boy growing up, man. Stuck pencils on me and all that perforated my eardrum, like trying to drown us in a soggy teddy. Like I remember it all. And I hope the boy's living in bail, man. I don't know. Like, yeah, he tortured me growing up, man. So I just stayed inside. Was that just at school, James? No, was it was the community, the it was the it was the gobbles, do you know what I mean? Like he was the wee arsehole of the area, man. Everybody knew him. They all knew his family. It's a very, like, it's also a very gangline place with family. But back then, family's reputation and who you were and who you knew. And I'd fucking named him. And I'd like, well, I'd, my family, my family were peacekeepers. They didn't want to be involved in all that side of the world. I got involved in it later because I wanted to. But yeah, he just, he tormented the life out of me, man. And then I, I, I broke in the first couple of years of secondary school and then turned into one of them. I was like, there's only way, one way to do this and just fight fire with fire. But I did it different. Everybody did it physically. I did it mentally. I picked away the heat, man. I would like say weird shit about his dad. I don't know, say he's got nothing. <laughs> it was only way I knew how to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like I was a big tall lanky guy, and he was tiny, and he just he always used to get me. We feral beast, man. And I hated fighting. I hated violence. I hated the whole idea of it. Like, and then it wasn't until I got chopped up with the axe that I started being like, I just, I just done something to me. I don't know. Or even in the first few years of secondary school, I was just like. I'm not having it anymore, and it's worse now because you push somebody to that point. Like I still hate violence, but when I'm pushed into it, I like black out and I don't wake up until it's done. And then I'm like, oh, I don't really want to be part of this. Like I got involved in some fighting and that before I left the goal was to come to London. My uncle was—he says like you're a scholar, you're no a brawler, because there's people like see these boys like they've got nothing going on. Do you know what I mean? It's very easy to fall into drugs and violence and all that because there's nothing happening, and you can feel accomplished and things like that. Like. And if, I, if people think I'm an arsehole for seeing it, like, put more money into these areas and give them more things to do and more purpose, and maybe they won't all be taking drugs, man. Was, was there ever a path that you felt you were going to slip down? 
Yeah, definitely, man. Until I got chopped up with the axe, man, I was I'd gave up on acting. I was taking drugs. I, I went. To, I was a fighter. I went to like I was trying to be somebody. I was definitely wasn't. He? I still remember at school one time my best pal Julian Hamilton that I grew up with. I came into school like I created a whole other character in all right, this boy called Danny. Just because I, like, I used to wear glasses all the time, I wear them again now. I took them off and taught myself how to see with foot them on it and just lived this whole other personality. It was born actually from my pal got uh, suspended from school for we hacked the teachers' network and started sending porn to all the teachers. <laughs> it was funny, like, I know it's stupid, but we're children, man, we're just daft. Like, it's creative though, isn't it? Like, you need some brains to get that about you. Um, it was a thing called TeacherNet, and he hacked the teacher in the, in the computer room. She was lovely, but she was soft to him, so he just abused it, the wee bastard. But he, he told his mother, I got him, it was me, and I got him suspended, and we were like best pals. We, we became pals because... Uh, we were going to start. We were going to have a fight, and we got to the end of school. Everybody's around, fight, 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 fight. And he went, "Do you want to go for a joint?" And I went, "Hi, you know what? Fuck it, yeah, let's go." And we were best pals. We still are, like brilliant pals, me and Wallace. But um, where was I? Yeah, so he got suspended. So we go to his house one day after school, and he, he stalks me just before we walk in the door. He's like, "Fuck, wait, stop!" Ah, fuck it. I told my mom that you got me suspended. Take your glasses off. And I went, "What?" He went, "Take your glasses off." And came in. I went, "Mum, this is Danny. They bought that." For like for nine years, mate, until my mom's boyfriend debunked us. And they still call me Danny because they just can't deal with it. And they would they would rip the fuck out of me. They'd be like, that James Hartness is a bastard. And I was like, Yeah, he's a dickhead. <laughs> Sitting there looking like, what the fuck is going on? So I just held on to that character and I just built a whole character for the first few years of secondary school. And I remember Jillian, who I used to play Mario with as a wee tiny boy man growing up in the gobbles. Like she was just like, I don't know what you've done to yourself, but I don't like it and I don't think we can be the way we were and I was like F-. and I ruined that friendship we're still close but it'll never be what it was because she's seen that I just ab- she obviously seen that I just abandoned myself for a while yeah and I don't think I'll ever be back to the way I was before because I just just messed my mind up too much trying to be somebody else and try to f- so I think a few things have stuck on growing up just defensively like the aggression and I've got a very short fuse but I can harness that in the acting and all that but yeah I did my best to make sure it doesn't bleed into my life and definitely never in front of my son that's part of the reason that I'm... I don't really talk to my mum because we just fight and argue so much, so until we're both in a good position that we can have a normal conversation and we'll go mental each other, we're just too similar. We're too similar, that's the problem, so we just we just tear at each other, so I'm not doing that in front of my boy, like I seen growing up, everybody shouting and arguing and fighting at each other. It's just madness, man. I'm no, he's not getting that. No, it's a, it's, it's a huge influence on kids. Oh, yeah, you know. massively, man. Massively. I don't know where anxiety came from. I never had it when I was younger, but I think after, I don't know if it was the act. I don't know if it was bottling stuff up for years, man. But I mean, it's a real anxiety. It's a killer, that stuff, man. It really overtakes a few days, man. But it's just managing it. Can we talk? Can we talk? Do you mind talking more about the act? No, right? not at all, man. It was my, it was life defining, wasn't it? Really? It, was, it saved my life. Let's, um, well, let's, let's go into that story then. So, so we, what happened? My mum was seeing a guy and um, he gave me his flat to live in in Shawlands. And so I had the whole, whole independence on my own, man. I would like Sky and all that in my account and stuff. <laughs> like Sitting up till like two in the morning. Watch, I do remember this polar bear guy, man. He'd always be on at two in the morning. It was like beat poetry or something, man. It was brilliant. It was good. But um, yeah, so I had that whole palace to myself. And then I was my 18th birthday was coming up. So I was like, I was at college at the time as well, man. Seeing this last, well, it's all in an act there. It doesn't matter. But um yeah, so I was like, I'm going to have an 18th birthday party in the flat. But then my uncle Arthur, he was like, please don't, he's like, don't have the party. I've got a bad feeling, and especially in that area. It's, it's a really rough area. And I was like, nah, it'd be fine, it'd be fine, it'd be fine. But it's like a big crowd of people all coming to this flat. And then I guess, I didn't know the young team in that area. And 
I go down to meet a mate, he's uh, downstairs and he's got a... I'm just meeting him anyway and this boy approaches us with a bottle of buck and he's like, can I use your phone? I said, pure tell, never give him your phone because I just got to take it off you, man. And I was like, don't give him your phone. He was like, oh, I just need a phone for my mate, give your phone. I was like, don't give him his phone. And then he gives him the phone because this boy's not really a violent person, man. And then he takes the phone and starts shouting, boys, 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 boys. I'm looking at the bucky bottle thinking I'm all whipped out of his horn and hitting it. Then he's clocked at and moved away and lifted the bottle. So we ran and he's ran to his mates in two different directions. It was like something that I found, mate. It was mental. It was like the army or something. Like, all I remember thinking was like, well, behind this wall, we need to get to the front door of the flat. They're there, they're on the right. Just start lobbing bricks at them on the right, like further down. They're going to run after that, thinking that we're coming from there and then bush for the door. So it works. We bush for the door, buzz up, let us in, let us in, let us in. And we shut the door, it's these mad old magnet doors with all the glass on it on the outside and they've all approached the door there's like eight of them at the door, man, guys hitting his head off the window and all that and I'm like, this is madness. My cousin Stephanie's come down by this point and she's standing there and he's sitting pointing at her and that, getting it like, I can see what you're saying, he's like, I'm a fucking rape her. I'm like, this is mental, man. I know, I know there's a camping axe upstairs that Jamie used to have, man, so I fucking boost up the lift. Fuck it, get the axe. I'm not, I'm, I'm, this, I'm, this is what's stupid, I'm being somebody who I'm no. I boost up the lift, get the axe, and then three of the boys that are at the party are saying, we're coming, and I'm like, no, you're not coming. And the boy who gave him his phone comes, and now he's not a fighter or nothing, man. So they are, they, I kind of get them to no coming. I have to get down because Stephanie's there, so we go down the lift. By this point, Stephanie's ran away, opened the door, and now there's many of them, and I was like, I don't know, the lift door opened, and the corridor was full. And so they're lobbing bolts and all that into the lift, trying to get into the lift, and I just remember, like, as soon as the door opened, I was like, this is not going anywhere, so I put my horn out, and as if to and hold the axe back, as if to be like, boys, let's not fucking do this, man. And then, sorry, just give me a bit of breath, man. Good. It makes my heart race thinking yeah. about it. Oh, right, um, no, but they, um, so we fucking, that's backwards and forwards for about, I don't know how long, it feels like a lifetime, man. Bolt was coming in and on it. One of the boys has got a knife at the back, man, he leaps there and fucking tries to stab somebody if it gets him in the shoulder or something, man. And then that wee boy who stole his phone's terrified, cowering in the corner and like their belts and all that whipping in and all sorts and stuff and so I just keep pressing the button for upstairs hoping the lift door's going to shut and we'll go up but they keep pressing it's the old lift so fucker if you press it on the outside it opens as well so you have to fucking time it and try and get it right I'm like this is fucking mental ah. <laughs> the worst thing is the lift door shutting and seeing blood everywhere and then the door opening again you're like fuck and then um, so that's happening man and then I, I know I have to start swinging at once at this point now but it's only defensive swings to keep them out the door so that I can press the button to get it up I'm at the front yeah. and so then I swing it, man, and then I just feel this thing in my chin. It's like hell gone inside your body. It was fucking weird, man. And it was the neck of a bottle. And he, like, so he's done that to my chin and he distracted us. And then I just felt my horn gone light. And I was like, fuck, I've not got the axe anymore. And then the lift door shut. And I was like, fuck, so I've got two seconds of reflection to be like, oh, man. And then the door opened again. So he came in, so I just stood at the front. And this was like what took me back to it. I just, my uncle Arthur, he's... He'll tell you his story, man, but he's seen his fair shirt. Like, he was an ex-lifer and all that, man. He, I just, right. I don't know where it came from. I just remember him saying at one point, if you're ever in a position when you think you're going to die, act like a psycho and they'll run away. Trust me. And I was like... So I don't know where it came from, so I just started pretending I liked it, man. So every time he put the axe in me, man, I was, like, smiling at him, laughing and all that. Like, there was one of the, the fourth hit of the axe that went my left on. I grabbed it and started licking the blade. Like, looking at him in the eye, grabbing my dick, going, like, you're going to give me a hard on. This is mental. Like, I don't know what people are going to think, but listen, it was I was acting, all right. It was all make believe. It's no real. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was just acting my way, with it and I was just trying to be like him. But he he could be visceral and like use his words, and he'd, he'd be an incredible actor if we ever done it, man. 
But I just remember acting it, and I just remember the boy literally letting go and being like, "You're not going to go down." And then just walked, and they just let it, they let the door shut. And then, like the worst thing is, the cops all waited outside until it was done before they came in. Really? Yeah. Oh my god, James, you could have died. Mad man. And for all, I know, no, the, the worst thing, the neck and the bottle was the thing that nearly killed me, man. Really? But I got one, two, three, four, five chops, three chops to the arm. I've got a big mad zigzag scar, and then uh, my right arm was like cut into halfway down through the finger, and then the, the right wrist as well. I was like hanging half, man. I was making mad phone calls to people on it, saying the goodbyes and stuff. The, the most interesting thing about that was I got the lift up, so I sent it to 11. We lived on nine. I told them, run down to nine so they don't know what flair we're going to. And then Ash came out and I was just lying on the ground being like, that's it, that's me, I'm done, man. Oof. But I was like, it's weird, you're so peaceful when you think, that's it. It's so peaceful, man, you're just like, that's it, there we go. But then I walked, I, I opened the door to the corridor and came and picked myself, it was one of the, I'm never going to forget it, I don't care what people think about it, but I picked myself up, like I came in raging to myself, lying on the floor, I was like, get the fuck up. And I could, I, in my mind, I'm like, is this Danny? And then I was like, get the fuck up. And I was like, no, I'm dying. I was like, get the fuck up. I grabbed myself up after the floor and I just stood right up. I was like, Pfft. and then I got this, I guess it was adrenaline. I was probably tripping at my nut, do you know what I mean? But I don't care. That for me gave me faith again, man. And I was like, there's got to be a God. I don't care what people think. Everybody's entitled to their own thoughts. But yeah, yeah. I, 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 but he, that, I, my life was saved, man. I had a second chance, man. There's no way, no two ways about it. The amount of blood I lost. Like, the guy in the hospital came right and he's like, we, do, we have to give you a shot of adrenaline or, or something. He had to give me an injection. And I was like, mate, I'm scared of needles. He's like, you've just been chopped up with an axe. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. Fire in. <laughs> well, my God. I mean, it's some story. And it's mental, isn't it? And, you know, uh, uh, terrifying. And, and, you know, I never cast any of them. I always say to the cops, I was like, I'm not putting any of these boys in jail because then you're in that environment as well. Like, I always say that I want to meet the boy and still have a conversation with him because I could see in his eyes he didn't want to date either. But there's a famous newspaper in Scotland called The Digger about all the crimes in Glasgow and he was in it every week. The boy was just dedicated to violence and I hope he's out of it now. I hope the best for him, man. But his, his life was obviously not going well, man. He's just thrown it away like that, man. The only reason I didn't go to jail is because I stuck my horn out in the CCTV. That's what the cops said. And he's like, and if you don't testify, we're going to put you away for six months. And I went, fucking put me away. I'd rather my life than go to jail. I know. I'd rather, do you know what I mean? I'd rather go to jail than, than lose my life. Yeah, of course. Now, after that, I mean, there's obviously <clears throat> two forms of recovery that you're going to have to go through. The obvious physical damage that's been done. But, I mean, the aftermath and the the months that follows, possibly years, I don't know, that, you know... Your mental health with that, yeah. I mean, how do you begin to even start recovery? Obviously, the doctors are going to be able to look after you there, but yeah. what were you doing within yourself to, to get through it? I never really dealt with it, if I'm honest. Like, I just bottled that away. And, and, and my brother James was there that night, and he really saved a lot of lives, man. And I put him in a really shitty situation. So I was more heartbroken that I'd done that. And Arthur was pissed at me as well because I'd put him in that situation and he told me not to have the party, but... I was also seeing this last thing. I won't. I won't really say it's her story. It, like the relationship I had with her was mental, mate. And I, I couldn't tell you on this because it's just. I'll tell sure. you after. I'll tell you later. I mean, I'm sure I'll probably tell you at some point. But it was just mental, and um, so I, that was distracting me as well. Anyway, and then weirdly as well, like literally a couple of weeks after it, my mod bumped into an old pal who'd bumped into somebody that I used to go to a drama group with because the first group I went to was GYCT I just need to shout them out like God was just community theatre when I was a wee guy and that was the first place and then the Citizens Young Company with Neil Packham 
he'd bumped into my mom's pal and been like, is James still about? Because he used to, like, we, I still remember that script he wrote when I was a wee boy when he was in the Young Writers Group and we've got a young company now and we'd love to get him back involved. I get back involved with that. Like, two weeks later, I'm doing a play with Davey Anderson that's gone to London to be in the National Theatre. Go to the National Theatre, go to London. Like, so all this stuff's happening. Like, I'd healed from the axe. Like, that, I, I, I like, I, I weirdly healed. Like, the guy was like, you're not going to be able to write. I was like, geese a pen and started writing straight away. <laughs> And then they're bringing doctors in and on it, bring your bed, being like, wow, you're recovering really well. I was out in two weeks. I was like, done. I'm, I'm a, I had purpose again. As soon as I woke up, I was like, I'm, wow. going, I'm going back to acting. Because it just saved my life. I was like, I've just acted my arse out of that. I was like, I'm going back to that. It was the only thing I didn't get fired at. Like, the only thing I didn't have a, a problem with authority with. And then, um, so I ended up doing that. And then I went to the National, did that show. And then I come back. And a week later, then Nick Heitner's like, do you want to go to London and go to drama school? I'll pay for it. I'll pay for your first year. I didn't even know who the guy was, man. Like, the one was like, maybe look him up, James, after this phone call. And I was like, uh, holy shit. <laughs> but, yeah, that guy oh, said So that's life, what man. happens. That's what happened. He, Nick Heitner, paid for your first year. He, 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 he yeah, I paid for my, my three years, and he, like, did what he could, but he, yeah, he's already, we didn't speak about it when it was good on, but no, he, he's the godfather to my son. Like, the guy saved my life, and I've talked that many a time. Wow. I don't know where I would be if I'd, I'd stayed in the gobbles. But I get, I don't know. I just, when I woke up from that accident, it just felt like everything went, whew, like college was done in a flash. I was, I'd, I'd, me and her had split up. I'd been getting this thing to go to London. I got in a wee bit of trouble and had to do six months <laughs> community service, but um, that was a, just a bad camping trip, man. And the coppers being arseholes, man, beating up a boy in a tent on his own when there's like a miner in the motor. Where I, uh, it doesn't matter, long story, but it's no important, but... Yeah, so I nearly ended up doing six months, but only there something stupid, man. Just a stupid, like, altercation. I was lying sleeping in a tent drunk at night, and then the cops are pulling me out, and I don't know who they are, so you're going to fight back? You just think these two random people are pulling you out? So, yeah, yeah. then, and, yeah, so that happened, and then I, I wasn't going to go to jail, which was amazing, and then I got the opportunity to go to London, and I don't know, I just never really paid attention to it, and then I came back to Glasgow once, and then drove by the flats by accident, and I think that was the day anxiety started. I've literally had a panic attack and was lying down on the bottom of the back seat of the, the, the car, just like shaking, rattling, being like, we have to get out of here. Which is mad. Never experienced anything like that in my life, man. But, yeah, I just... Does anything like that still come back now with panic attacks? I, yeah, I mean, I, anxiety... I, I get anxiety or nothing. I'll be walking down the street and there's a guy having an argument on the phone. I'll be anxious for him. <laughs> it's so stupid sometimes it's just managing it do you know what I mean and I think just reminding yourself where you're in life and what you've got and having a look around taking a breath like yeah but it's, a lot of people struggle with it and everybody deals with it different have you developed uh, more skills to be able to manage it I think Clark was a big game changer in it it may add more because you want to do the right thing but it's a good anxiety rather than uh, an anxiety built on mistakes or Built on not making the right choices or wanting to make the right choices and do all that stuff. I think way Clark, it's good because I'm just focused on him and I don't have time to worry about that stuff. But when I'm on my own, sure. if I day find myself falling into that space, I just talk to some pals, man, do something. Just don't sit in your head. In your head. It's a dangerous place. <laughs> just for those that that um, couldn't connect there, that was you're, you're obviously talking about uh, your son. Yeah, Clark, sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. And have you always been good at expressing your feelings James because you you know you talk there about what you know skills 
that you know that you have to to cope with certain stresses and anxieties is to talk is to talk and not sit inside your own head i think it's a lot i've read a lot of stuff and i think i've always tried to help other people i feel i'm quite empathetic i've not always been nice to people in the past i'm sure people listening to this that don't like me would say he was an arsehole but i've done everything i can do to be a good person and, and and help other people so i think i don't necessarily always practice what i preach but I've picked up good things that help, and and I hope to always try and do it with myself as well. But I'm I hope I I'm good at telling other people like this is the, the way you. But it's no easy. Sometimes well, of you course just, it isn't, and, and you know we're we're human beings, and we're, whatever we do for a living, we're all constantly learning yeah. as we go along. Whatever it is, I feel better. I'm, I'm in the best place I've ever been. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I've got a good life. I'm, I've got an amazing wife and an amazing kid, and. I'm focusing on doing all the right things in life to, to just build a future. And that is real purpose to me, man, and I've never felt it. But I'm, when it happened, it happened, and, and I feel good that I'm on that path now. So, James, let's jump back. So yeah. you, you'd made the decision to to leave Scotland, to move to London, yeah. to, to, to go to drama school. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, man, all my own, man. Out, out, out in the big, big. It was funny, man. That yeah. I, I, as soon as I came to London, I just had a feeling. I was like, I'd love to be. It's just the vibe, the energy of the place, man. The only other time I felt that is when I went to Manchester. It was just like, wow, this place is alive, man. You can't. Yeah. Like, it's just buzzing. It's just like vibrating. So did you have an instant connection with London? Yeah, I loved it. I fell in love with it straight away. South Bank, especially Gunner Embankment Bridge. It's still my favourite place at night. Just that bridge. I don't know what it was about it, man. Just stuck in my head, and I was like, I need to come here. Ironically, the national was behind me. <laughs> and what were your feelings about going to drama school? Were you sort of um, obviously you were excited, but were you anxious? Did you have any sort of preconceived ideas about what was going to be ahead of you for the three years? I nearly didn't go because I was like, I want to stay and be a breadwinner for my family, like as an author and all that, like because I still wasn't really in great communication with others. We, I, I, we've, we've picked us. do you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're sort of estranged, and it is what it is. There's no point in pretending. But, um, yeah, so I nearly didn't go, because I went to the stay and still have money and put in my digs and all that and still help. And just yeah. not leave them, but they made me go. So I went and I was like, well, if they, I'm going to do this for them. My uncle Arthur was like, always keep your feet in the ground. Never get ahead of yourself. Never let your head get too big, man. If you have to suck it, suck it. I'm joking. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's his sense of humour. But yeah, so I just went for it, man. I just jumped in with two feet and was like, let's see what happens. I'm used to things. I'm used. I used to have a mentality where I was like, no, I'll be too happy. There's always a kick in the balls in the corner. I'm not like that anymore. But that's what I just went in yeah. on guns blazing. I was like, we'll see what happens, man. Like, I appreciate. I appreciated so much the opportunity that it gave me. And once I'd let go of the feeling of not letting my family down by leaving, I couldn't fucking wait to go. I couldn't wait to get out. I just it just felt like I just shed skin, man. And every time I went back for the first couple of years, I felt like I was taking steps back, or I was going to get trapped back there again. Sorry, I still love the place. I still love it, and I'm no dissing when I came through. But I had some shitty fucking times there, man. And I told why I live there. Yeah, well, look, <laughs> of course, I mean, look, you're not speaking from anybody else's perspective apart from yours. You're, ta- you know, we're talking about you, and that's that's yeah. your story and how you grew. I still up, love it, and the know? people, and I still love going back there. And every time I go back there, I just the feeling getting into Central Station. I don't only I don't know how to describe it. I think that everybody from Scotland that goes gets in there at that point will know what I'm talking about. It's just this feeling of when you land in Central, you're like, oh, I'm home. But yeah, that'll never leave me. Yeah, of course. And of course, you were back there last year. Yeah, 
filming with uh, lovely Martin Comston. Mm, the legend that is. And, of course, you were back, uh, you know, doing Wild Rose the year yeah, before. The so you, you keep popping back up and down, don't you? Scotland's been very keen to me, and I still hope that that continues. So how were your three years, James, at drama school? Mad, man. Amazing. Like, I thought I was walking into fame, and I kind of did. Like, there was people in the hallways doing, like, stretches and all that, man. Like, like everybody's, like... In each other, like in each other's business, twenty four hours a day, man. But it was incredible. I met some amazing people, man. I worked there as a caretaker for about five years after I left. That was my side job. I was a janitor. Oh, really? <laughs> right. But um, it take a boy out of gobbles, man. But uh, the it was. I have getting nothing bad to say about it. It was. It was amazing. It was mad roller coaster ride. Like, but yeah, it was absolutely incredible, man. And I'm still. Best pals with, with my year, the new. We were a very, very strong year. We, we talked to each other every single day. Where was it, James? Where did you go? Uh, Lambda and Barons Court. Right, it was Lambda. So the end of the three years come. Yeah. And what are your thoughts? What are your feelings? Because it would have been... We all know what it's like. You you know, you're dipping your toe into this business and it's it's not all, you know, red carpets. It's... It's uh, it's a tricky tightrope. Yeah. Uh, but obviously when you leave drama school, you're just so hyped and full of energy and you just want to get out there and you just want to get working. Yeah. But it's not that simple, is it? No, not at all, man. Uh, I, I, mean, I think I was lucky that I still had the umbrella of Lambda. Like I knew everybody in there. Like, the teachers know that really close, man. So I, still, I, I sort of didn't fly the nest, even though I graduated. I was still there, getting the support, getting like the, the nice comments about how good they think you are and all that. So I think I was still sort of bubble wrapped a wee bit for a good few years. And you know what, I mean? the the two agents that I'm like Sam and Ori, like as soon as I met them, we knew, and they were so supportive, man. I freaked out the first couple of weeks, being like, I don't think I'm going to get any parts. It's all for the pretty boys, man. I'm look at me, man. I'm going to get nothing. Like, and she, Ori was incredible, and so was Sam. Like, the both of them and all the assistants that they've had through the years and knew have been phenomenal with me. The, the support's mental. It's like it's proper like family rather than a business relationship. But it can be a business relationship when it has to be when I have to toe the line and work harder. <laughs> but I suppose it has to be a, a nice balance and if it's a family yeah. relationship, they are going to pull you up and go, right, yeah. um, you need to pull your socks up here or you need to do this, you need to do that because it's, you know, in the end of the day, it is a business. But when people you know, people who know you, and care for you and trust you, give you some advice, then you know you'd you'd it'd be foolish not yeah. to take it on board. You I'll know? never leave them. I'll never leave them. If they drop me, I just would never need it. Like it's like that feeling. The new. I'm sure I'm probably would, but I don't see that happening. Like we are, we're really close, and I trust them in my life, man. Was there ever any times, you know, after you graduated that because you hear so many stories of people who move to London and they train and things don't work out for whatever reason and they end up moving back I they could go never. back to their hometown was there ever any time when that was going to happen for you or you felt sort of quite scared that no, that, that go, could be a possibility I'd go somewhere else I, I'm terrified that I have to go back there only because it terrified me do you know what I mean like it terrified yeah. me so I never went to be back in that situation again. For all the good, the, the good times were only so good, and I only remember them so much because of some of the shitty times, man. And just on the reflection, I'm like, good. And I've I'm not saying that I've not had that here. If I've ever had a bad experience, usually I've brought it on myself, man, and I deserved it. But 
they, I just can't, I don't know. I've always, I feel like I've, I used to draw pictures of America when I was a wee guy, like I rode in a cactus and like Route 66 and all that. So I think I've always wanted to travel and go further. Like if I hadn't got married and, and, and had a son, I definitely would maybe have went on to somewhere else just to see the murder of the world. And I'm sure I'll do that now with my son when he's older. But yeah, I just, I, I could never go back because it feels like gone back. And I'm, but I'm not saying that, that that relates to everybody else. Do you know what I mean? Some people love that feeling of being able to go back to that safe environment. But yeah, I don't I don't know if I could, and I don't think I ever wanted to. And also for you, you know, it obviously, you know, wasn't exactly a safe environment. So why would you be going back? When I was with family, I felt completely safe. But on my own, out there on my own, I don't feel safe at all. But that's just me. And James, if everything stopped. And you you decided that you weren't going to be acting anymore. Yeah. It sounds to me that you've got it in you, or it's been instilled in you, that you have a very strong work ethic, that you just pick up and do something else. Yeah, I mean, I've always... I guess it's the breadwinner thing. It was like, if I can date... Mm. There's always work out there. Like, when I was chefing for a long time, my uncle was like, so people always need to eat. You always have, and my granddad would say you always have something in your back pocket, something you can fall back on. But this is my life now. I love it, and if, if, if I ever stopped, I would just try and pursue t- teaching it. No teach, no, no that I think I can teach anybody anything. It would just be um, like, here's what I've done. If you want to do it, do it that way, or read that book. <laughs> but like, yeah, I, I, I don't think I'd ever dictate to anybody. But I would love to um, inspire people to, to to take it up, even just for a couple of years as a young kid, man. I think putting a, a wee kid into an amateur dramatics group will, can really help them learn how to accept other people, how to like broaden their horizons and their mind and their thoughts and what they yeah. like. <laughs> James, do you ever think that you give yourself too much of a hard time? Uh, people have said it to me, but I just feel like keep. I, I just have the words ringing in my ear, keep your feet in the ground and don't get ahead of yourself, man, and... Maybe, I don't know, maybe, I don't know. I, I always want to work hard. I want to look back and... Maybe I'm paying back for all the... I, I feel so bad about anything bad I've done in my life and it sticks with me, it always will. And I'm always paying that back. Maybe people call it God-fearing, I don't know. But I'm never going to take... I never want to take my eye off the ball because I have sometimes and when I look back and I think, you've just been so selfish there, man. And I, I don't know, I just... I, I, I'm a people person, I need the people... <laughs> I need people to like me, man. I don't, I don't know why, I've, I've never... I just want to please a lot and I, I, it's just maybe it's a fault but I, I never want to be the bad guy anymore so I just want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing I don't think that's a, a fault at all I think it's quite a lovely human trait you know we if we're really honest of course we, we you know we want people to like us yeah we all make mistakes man but no, there's no one person that can rectify the mistakes or make better and I would True. treat other people the same as well so do you think in that respect you what you were saying there before about sort of past do you think that you carry around a certain amount of guilt? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very guilty. Like, I, I spoke to my wife before about this as well, and was like, "Should I talk about this? I don't know if I want to talk about this." But like, when I, when I, I was, so I was bullied a lot when I was younger. But then I thought the only way to do that was to bully back and then pick on people that I could notice were like me. And I regret that massively. It's a big like I need to take a minute so I don't. Phew. I okay, really regret time. that in my life. I'm good, I'm good. I just, I really regret that in my life and that was a bad choice, but, hey, I've met some people after it and they've told me that it, it helped them in a way. 
like one person in particular, but look, I'm never, I'll never be like that again, and I regret it. But I can only try to be better and be a good guy now. Yeah, of course. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> James. I can't thank you enough for no, coming. Man, I mean, I've loved it honestly. Like, I love this show so much, man. It's amazing, and I can't believe I'm e- part of it. Even though you know. We worked together a lot and had a, a glorious summer oh, filming. A beautiful, um, beautiful summer. In the Northwest in Yorkshire with lots of fantastic, amazing people. But, you know, I've got. There's, I didn't know hardly any of this, of what you're talking <laughs> to. I just don't want the listeners to think, oh, we're just sort of regurgitating like conversations because we've never had these conversations no. before um, that have gone, you know, so in depth and, and quite deep into your personal life. And I can't thank you enough because I know it's it can be really difficult going back through your past and discussing certain times in your life that were difficult with such with such detail and honesty, James. So I really can't thank you enough, man, certainly during such, you know, times like this when things and feelings are so unbalanced and we're just hoping for... For some sort of normal, <laughs> just getting back to normal. But I mean, like, I think it's been brilliant that we've all been communicating so much more, man. I've talked to people so much more than I would normally do out of isolation. So I think that's been a real bonus to it all. Well, James Harkness, thank you so much for coming on, and you Not take care, man. All right? Andrew, thank you so much, Greg. Another episode is done now. You cannot say I didn't warn you. You, you know what I'm talking about, that story, that story. What a fella James is. I'm so thrilled and really thankful that he came on the podcast and was, uh, you know, you know, I always say that, you know, I'm really bowled over when people are so open and honest like that and, it, and it's completely unforced and... They're just sort of digging back through the past and, and raking stuff up, and some of it can be very emotional at times. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, I hope it's uh, therapeutic, which I think it is. Um, so, look, massive thanks to James. Massive thanks to you for downloading and subscribing and telling all your friends. And, look, um, I'll see you in a bit. I don't know when, but I've no fear. You know, we'll be back. So until then, you stay safe, stay sound, get out for a bit. If you've got a bike, go for a ride, take your vitamin D. And, yeah, we'll see you soon. Until then, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Take it easy. Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers.